Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father, I thank you for who you are, the opportunity to be in your presence, Father. I pray that you would show us new things and give us insight, Father, and also make us critical thinkers for you, Father, that we would have discernment and we would have boldness to be able to share what you would share the way the Lord did when he was on the earth, Father, that we would relish talking to people about your goodness, your kindness, your love, your sacrifice, Father, and how you've redeemed men to yourself, Father, how you redeemed all of humanity, Father, left no one behind, Father, and that as a group or as a people, we have to come to you and, and accept what you've done and come into union with you and to adore you and to know you for who you are, Father. I pray for those who are listening now that they would be drawn to you, that they would search you out, that they would fall in love with you, and that they would hold you above all else. Father, you are the sustainer of life, and I thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, I want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. For all the links for all the things, you can check us out, buddywalkwithjesus.com, including the merch store, uh, ways to support the ministry, all that. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. If you are looking to interact or if you want to send us over some topics that you want to see us cover, um, do not hesitate to reach out. Lastly, uh, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. I put that one at the end of the starting announcements because I want that to stand out. Because prayer is a powerful thing. We are here. Those that are prayer warriors with us are here. And you don't have to give your whole backstory if you don't want to. It can just be a couple of words. But seriously, no strings attached. We're here to pray if you are in need of prayer. So there's been this topic that's been kind of hovering around my ecosystem ever since doing the event in Michigan. And it's taken a couple of different uh, forms. I actually reread this this week, uh, Mere Christianity. And it so I wanted to bring this up for conversation. I think you all know where I land on the whole denominational thing. And I think you all know where I land on the whole translation thing. And this is something that we asked at the event. We asked people, why do you think there are so many denominations? And we kind of got the same central answer, that it is person-focused. Whoever started the tradition, it's focused on their interpretation, their tradition, what their mindset towards it. Now, that, and that's basically exactly what, what I would say, that that's really what denominations stem from, is a personal take on scripture. 
But there's this other thing. The other half of that is manuscripts, translations. You know, we had somebody come up to the table in Michigan and guns a-blazing, I'll give the guy he was knowledgeable in what he was knowledgeable of, but comes up, if you don't read the King James Version, then you must not have spiritual discernment. And very much cherry-picked some differences between King James Version and the NIV. And, you know... That obviously has a giant asterisk next to it that's very rooted in personal belief and half information, but it leads to this question. How can we hold to inerrancy with the manuscript tradition that we have? How should Christians, to ask it a different way, how should Christians handle this whole translational thing and the multiple translations that exist of the bible well joe i want to thank you for giving me such a softball question (laughs) no pressure Um, see i i approach this the way i i would approach this you know and i will say this my first bible as a nine-year-old was a gift and it was a king james translation um and you got to imagine, I'm a Puerto Rican kid in the projects, and I'm given a Bible with these and thous and um, all this stuff. And I don't know if one of my thoughts was, this is how they speak in England. You know, it was an interesting, it was an interesting read. And I really read it, but I wasn't a big reader. And I remember my mom saying, she gave you that Bible, so you better read it because she's going to ask you questions. And sure enough, she did. So, and I told her about Methuselah being 969 years old. And for those of you who don't know, that probably means I made it to the fifth chapter of Genesis. So, and that stayed with me, Methuselah's age. So it was an easy thing to offer up. Um, translations are interesting because I think of translations differently than most people think of if i were to ask somebody a story they would tell me how they have perceived that story let's say i take a fable like cinderella you ask one person they'll tell it a certain way you ask another person they'll tell it a certain way and it'll be different or there'll be similarities and stuff you know cinderella had a pink ball gown cinderella had a white ball gown you know, but that doesn't change that she had a ball gown. Um, what I find is that people will hold to an English translation um, in a deified way. In a way that says, this is God's word. In this translation. Which I find kind of ironic because I always think of, um, wouldn't you be wanting it in the original Greek? or Hebrew, or Aramaic. Because that's where I go to immediately when I think of the proper origin, if you will. Now, I've never fully studied um, the King James Bible's origin. I have a surface level, and that it was a political maneuvering that King James did 
and there are some questions as to his character. And there would be questions to anyone's character on why they do things. Is it as altruistic as it sounds? What I find interesting is what does it say to you? When you look at the translation, what does it say to you? What are you getting out of it? Not all translations are equal. And we've talked about paraphrases before. Paraphrases are interesting because they're like I, that operator game where you have someone who tells it to someone who tells it and it's never quite the same. Um, I have yet to play the game where it was exactly the same from beginning to end. Um, and part of that is because some people just enjoy changing it. Paraphrases, like the Message Bible was always a hard one for me to read because I read one verse and I said, I have no idea what this verse is. And I can't remember it for the life of me, but it was a very famous verse. And I went, that's that verse? Is that how he paraphrased that? Oh my goodness, I had no clue. I, I don't like this. Um, and I've read others that were paraphrases, um, the good news. Um, I think the Living Bible, not the um, New Living Translation, but the Living Bible, which was like in my teens. Um, so there, there, there are versions that have newer versions of themselves and then there are newer versions of themselves um, that sometimes read very differently than the version that I had originally started out with. What does it say? How far does it go away from what the original language said? That is sometimes a hard not to crack because as a person and you should want to know what the original says that's my opinion that doesn't mean anything um you could take that and toss it for all that it's worth but what does the original mean i think sometimes it sheds a light on a meaning or a nugget because languages are not one for one between themselves they just aren't um we have one word for as we said before, for love. I love pizza. I love my wife. I love my dog. I love my car. I love good weather. I love, you know, um, we, we say for all. Hebrew, they have four distinctive words or levels of love or categories of love. So they understand to a finer degree of what that love, what comes with that particular love. You have brotherly love, you have uh, romantic love, you have unconditional love, and then there's that fourth one I keep forgetting for the life of me. But it's important. I just, I can't remember. That's just me. Um, and they bring with them certain colorings. And if you're an artist, you know, you know there's many shades of blue. There's many shades of red. And I'm... I'm very bad with colors. My wife will say, no, that's not red, that's crimson. And, she'll, and she can show me the difference, and I'm clueless. Um, but what, what comes out of the translation? What are we getting as we draw near to? What is the fruit of it? Um, what does a person bring to it? Now, when you, Joe, when you think of translations, what is the thing you want out of a translation? 
I think as far as translations go, um, A, they're heavily rooted in traditional thinking, like just traditions. What I'm looking for out of a tradition, or what I'm looking for out of a translation is truth. You know, it can be Shakespearean, it can be concept for concept, but I want truth. And I think that that's something that's achievable um, in a great number of different translations that exist out there. I know that a lot of people that are diehard King James readers will call the NIV the never intended version, let alone the, um, the something like the NLT or the message. But I actually picked up when I was in Michigan, the, uh, a, a dual Bible, a comparison Bible between the NIV and the message. And my wife had never thought, or my wife had never heard of the message before. And she had heard the summation of what it was. And she's like, can you leave that out for me to, for me to take a look at? And while it's not an actual translation in the purest sense of the word translation, we still can see that there are these different translations that exist out there that are still powerful and still truthful truthful to who they need to be powerful and truthful for. Take the easy-to-read version that we will sometimes read out of. That's not for everybody. You're not gonna... If it's not for you, you may find it a little... I don't know, dare I say watered down, simplistic. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can see that. But put it into context. Who is it made for? It's made for a group of people that have a much more, a much more limited vocabulary than the average person does. You know, what is it? What, a third of the vocabulary that somebody who's deaf has? It's two to 4,000 vocabulary words for the deaf community. Right. So when you plug that in and you realize, hey, this was meant for a particular group of people, but also has value to other people, you know, you could read a verse in a different version and it's the same truth presented a little bit differently and something could pop out to you that you don't know that that's something that would necessarily pop out to you if you weren't looking at that translation. Yes. That's always been my 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 thought benefit of it. Um, that you can gain something by hearing it said differently. There are a lot of times we read the same translation and we know it so much we, we go someplace else while we're reading it. You know, I've heard this before, I've heard it a thousand times, this is how it goes, I'm in the rhythm and I know it all. Very, But when we hear it, we, sometimes we'll do that record skip, what, wait a minute, I never thought about it said that way. Um, the ERV is a great translation for like people who are learning English as a second language. Um, it's very considered maybe remedial. Um, 
and it allows a person to not get caught up in a lot of theological words that sometimes are abstract. They'll just read it. They can pronounce it. They don't have a problem pronouncing it. They just don't have the context of what the word means. Like, um, <laughs> I was going to say predestination, but the word procrastination came up in my mind. Woo, I got my wires crossed. Um, but, you know, predestination, you, you, you hear sanctification, justification, you know, but what does that mean to the everyday person? There's a lot of theological meaning behind that word. But if you take something that will say, you know, right standing, you know, or uh, made pure, you know, those are easily understood words and it allows them to ingest. Now, the one thing I, I, I will say this is when 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 I was younger, um, I, there were a lot of kids I would babysit. And they had this thing called the picture Bible. Is that a translation? Well, it can be. It's a stepping stone to learning about the Bible. A lot of people say, no, it's not a translation um, because it doesn't have the verse numbers in it. Um, you know, you could say what you will, but there there are animated Bibles that are out there that take the story of the stories in the Bible and put them in images. And that can be a really great way for younger people, younger children to absorb the context of what's going on. Uh, but the thought is that you're not going to just stay with that. You're going to go on to something else. And that's what I like about the many translations that are out there. And I'll go into some place like Bible Hub and I'll put in a verse and they'll have some of the older archaic um, versions that are no longer in print, but they are online. Um, and you get a sense for the words that they use. And then you'll get some words that are like, um, that have a Mid Middle Eastern um, translation vibe to it. I can't think of the way to say it. Um, and the 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 things that come out are interesting uh the way that they'll say things uh so you get an idea of how if the bible were strictly oratory like it used to be before it was written passed down by verbally speaking it you could have different influences and though they were a lot of times spoken word for word um intonation becomes a big thing how you say it how you deliver it those are things that a lot of people um pick up on and so if we we didn't have a physical bible let's say the gutenberg press was never uh, created a lot of us would be relying on hearing the bible and then we would hear it enough we would say it to other people um, and then what happens when, where we in this locale speak a certain way and use certain words, and then we go to another place and they speak still similar, but there's some differences there. Uh, does that negate what's being said or the, the essence of, of what's being shared? Probably not. Um, and that's, you know, on a case by case basis, I think translations with discernment can really engage us to dig deeper. And I always find like, if I really wanna know something, what did the original say? And that can help to, to solidify or 
to say, okay, that's not really what it's being said here. You raise a good point that that should be the end goal of what you're looking for is purity. If what you're looking for is the pure text, then work on learning Greek and Hebrew, I guess. You know, because all of these translations, or at least the credible ones, that's where the translation is coming from. Whether it's in Old English, Modern Language, um, Reduced Vocabulary, or whatever, um, it's still coming from the same source material. And that's without getting into things like some of the uh, oldest um, some of the oldest copies that we have found of scripture material would actually suggest that the King James Version is in fact not the most accurate. It's actually one of the lesser accurate translations. But still, I say that I think that something like the King James Bible also has its place. I've met plenty of people that so connect with God when reading the poetic nature of the King James Bible. And if that is how you connect with God, then wonderful that you have found a translation that resonates. And I would go a step further that I believe that the Bible speaks of an ability that we have through Holy Spirit to know when we're reading something or hearing something that does that conflicts with scripture that conflicts with God to go back to that whole idea of inerrancy I think whether or not you're reading old English or you're reading modern language you still see the character of God portrayed throughout the entirety of scripture the same God was the same God is the same God always will be same thing with the gospel of the good news of the kingdom of God. When we see what happened with Jesus, we have that picture through and through. It was talked about before he was born to a flesh and bone body. We saw his ministry. We saw his death. Whether or not, and, and that's those things stay true regardless of whichever version you are reading and like i said i fundamentally believe that as christians we should be praying for spiritual discernment in a very active sense that is something that we should be invested in and that comes through relationship like we talk about we come it comes through that that time spent and so if you do come across something because there are translations that are out there that try and pass for legitimate translations it's one of the few reasons why um it was one of the reasons why i was actually cool with the message was because he never tried to pass it off like he was rewriting the bible that was never the point of the message um so 
we have that for when we come across those translations that do conflict, that do say something that's out of sorts, let alone the additions to the Bible, the, the Book of Mormon, the, you know, all of those kinds of things. Even, even before getting to that point, I believe that God will show us when we come across something that does not jive. There's um, some non-negotiables that you can always find from Scripture. Anything that would take away the deity of Christ mm -hmm. would be an example. Anything that downplays the sacrifice. Um, so there's, as you read Scripture, a lot of these major translations agree with each other on these huge topics, these important topics. Um, and the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And you will be prompted, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, when to avoid something or when to question something. There are a lot of people who will um, be told, don't question what I'm telling you. I've, I've um, had classes in theology. Or, you know, he's the pastor, so I shouldn't really, he knows more than me. This is not about you being, what's that word, passive. This is about you being um, active in your participation in reading and understanding scripture. And it's good to have questions. And, and the Bible says that if you do, ask God. And then you also are to look for godly mentors, men and women, who can share. God will reveal to you his truth. He is all for that. And trusting the Lord to do that is one of the key things that will help you discover him. Um, in the privileged planet, they say we live on the only planet that allows for discovery, meaning we have access to light and we have um, the environment that allows us to carbon-based life forms not only to exist, but to discover things. Um, and it, it allows us to discover the things of God. This planet points back to its creator, um, and which I find fascinating. The translations should point back to God. And, and I think that that's something like anything else that can become an idol, right? We have, there are so many things that can become idols in our life including theology including our traditions and our stance so short of pointing out the actual inaccuracies or pointing out how historical translation may have skewed something or something along those lines the squabbling over the different translations and what the different translations mean um, is 100% a distraction you know we talk about distraction and a lot of times that conversation lives and dies with our phones or social media or the news those are generally the things that get brought up whenever we talk about, whenever anybody talks about distraction, especially within the Christian community. 
But the reality is that there are topics and concepts and things that can just as easily become distractions and idols in our lives that are well within the Christian tradition. Fighting somebody over which translation they use is likely one of those things. Fighting somebody on a particular tra uh, tradition that you hold is probably one of those things. You know, we we get lost in the weeds sometimes as, as believers. And I fundamentally believe that this is 100% the enemy's doing, like we've talked about. The devil does not want us to be fully cognizant of the relationship that we have with God or the impact that we have on this world or the power of the kingdom, the power of the blood of Jesus. He does not want us fully aware of that. So if we can be separated by boundary lines about you're right and I'm wrong, all of that kind of stuff, then we're distracted. It's infighting. The house divided on itself will fall. And so there's so much of, this is one of those topics that I used to have a hard time with because I would have a hard time with the dogma of somebody, generally speaking, it was usually King James readers coming up to me and saying that anything other than doth mother know that you weareth her drapes is is a sin you know what i mean a and that's something that i've had to come to honestly in a lot of regards i have come to an evolution if you will on this subject live in front of the microphone for the community to see because this is something that even starting buddy walk with jesus you know I struggled with that I I very much would paint people with a very specific brush so it can happen the other way around if you are standing against a particular thing if you are standing against a particular group you know there's all it's all well and good to have conviction have convictions have no know, know what you stand up for because it's not just all lawlessness and love everybody but you get to do whatever you want and all that that's not that's not what this is there are rules of engagement there are standards in which to live by but chief among those standards is to love first and everything else falls second love god love others and so i guess i've come along when it comes to this and i've softened up a little bit that says that as long as you're not reading or preaching something that conflicts with scripture if you connect with god using a different translation than i connect with god as long as you're connecting with god and that's the common thread cool i think um one thing to i just want to mention it in closing is god gives us a lot of freedom freedom to discover him 
Um, Joe might discover him in drumming. I might discover him in writing a narrative. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to meet the creator in various ways. And in our own uniqueness, we can discover something about God that we would not have discovered by passivity. And by that, I mean is be invested in what you're doing in pursuing the Lord. Know who he is and learn not only how to find him or how to pursue him might be a better way to say that, but also who you are before him, who you are on your, in your day-to-day -day life, what makes you tick or tick off, if you will. There's a journey, and it's not going to be perfect, and there will be mistakes, but God is good. God is a great teacher, and he can speak to you when you've made a mistake and how to correct that. We've all been there. We've all made mistakes, and how God shows us how to um, correct them righteously. It's very easy to say, I'm sorry, and just leave it at that. Well, that person should accept my apology. It's very different to say, I'm sorry, and I want to make it up to you. Let me know how, or, you know, let me do this for you. And you might replace something that you've broken. Um, you might get them a card saying, you know, I'm thinking of you. There are many different ways you can say something. Um, so God is able to show us many things. And, in translations or outside. So it's a learning journey. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be before you, Father. And I, I just pray right now for every listener that they would be encouraged in their hearts to pursue you deeply, to understand that you call them into a deeper relationship because you love them and you want to be in their lives more than they've realized to a greater degree, to bring the kingdom forward. Father, I thank you for our ability to be drawn to you, that you allow us to hear a prompting, whether it's a pull of your spirit or whether it's a thought that comes into our head, Father, that you encourage us each day to do something that draws us closer to you, Father, I thank you for each one here now. Father, and I just pray over them. I had your protection. Father, that you would give them discernment and boldness and that they would learn to lean and love you even greater than they have before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk Community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.